Okay, okay, so today's stuff is Tevet. 82, we pick up, we're a little behind, we pick up on Pale from Mutbet. The two dots, about ten lines before the lines get wide. Um, so we talked yesterday about, um, about, again, the issue about finding a way, how is it that there's a negative prohibition about to not, not fast, um, and different ways to learn it out, and also two interesting, important drashot relating to the Pasuk of Vatisha B'chodesh Pe'erev, Me'erev Erev. One is the idea of Mosifim Michal HaKodesh, that you start the fast of before the nightfall, and you end it a little bit after the end of the day, um, and that's an idea of Tosefes Yom Kippur, Tosefes Shabbos, Tosefes Yantiv, but the Pasuk, that's the core Pasuk for that, is by Yom Kippur, so some, like Rambam, learned that it's only Doraisa by Yom Kippur, although, again, as we said, you don't get the same, you don't get the punishment, but the idea of Tosefet is the right uh, and the, also the idea that if you begin the eating on the ninth counts as an additional fast day of fasting um, so and again the importance about that 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 fits with the idea that it's not about afflicting yourself but about freeing yourself from eating which you achieve by preparing yourself the day before now we get on to the issues in the Mishnah about food that is not fit for being eaten um, and not and drink for that's not fit for being drunk that's not potable food that's not fit for being eaten you are exempt I'm a Rava. Says Rava. Kaz palpuli be yom adikipuri pata. If somebody chews peppers on Yom Kippur, you're exempt. Um, I remember we had peppers before, and Charlie was trying. Are we talking here about the pepper that we make peppercorn from, or are we talking about the uh, things like red peppers, the jalapeno peppers? I don't remember which way it went. Anyway, some of peppers clearly, like the normal types of peppers, you know, that we have in our salads. Um, should not be true, but peppercorn you can understand. Um, and the next example will also be like a spice. Yeah, what does the note say there? Right, so like peppercorn, right, like the stuff that we make pepper out of. Okay. Um, and Zangvila um, if you chew ginger on Yom Kippur because those are things that are not eaten straight they're used maybe as spices but they're not eaten so um, that means like, let's say I want my sushi ginger so that no, if it's pickled or whatever. I mean, we'll see in a minute when it comes in different forms. These aren't necessarily all apt categorical statements. Mayor, I'll ask you, Rebbe Mayor This is, um, it implies once the verse says, that you shall make Arla off, you know, limit the fruit of the tree the first three years. Any Machalhu. So obviously it's a, uh, it's a, it's a tree that bears, that, that uh, bears edible fruit. So you don't have to say the words the fruit of an edible tree. And a mod tamadomer eats ma'achal. Why does it add the words the fruit of an edible tree or a, a, a tree for eating? So, to tell you that we're talking even about a, this is about Arla, the prohibition of eating fruit in the three oh, years. So, so, so right, right, exactly. So why does it mention Eitz Machal in that Pasuk? To tell you we're talking about a fruit, even about a fruit, that the fruit and the bark and the uh, tree taste has the same taste. 
Um, now what's that so anybody who knows the uh, learned sukkah which is yeah, coming up next etrog is normally the answer the Gemara gives etrog the fruit tastes like the tree anyway that's not the Gemara's answer here um, so anyway um, my son likes to watch Chopped a food show on the Food Network and last night one of the you have to, you have to make dishes with secret ingredients with like surprise ingredients and one last night one of the surprise ingredients was the was the Kitron was the citron etrog uh, fruit. So, <laughs> so anyway, so okay. Anyway, so according to this, heavy on is that poplin. That's a good treat. Um, I don't know. Where do you get peppercorn from? The bush? Well, the Americans said it's a bush, like a tree. It's got a bark. It's whatever. Um, okay. So this is pepper, and apparently the branches taste similar to the actual peppercorn itself. That peppers are chayv in Arla. That's the even they, even though they're not normally food. And Israel is not lacking of anything. There are even pepper bushes in Israel. That's not a halachic point. That's just a nice point. So anyway, you see that peppers are food because it's uh, because you're chayv in Arla. So says it's not difficult. It depends whether it's moist or dry. When it's fresh and moist, presumably you can eat it straight. Once it's dried out and made into a like a pepper, then you as a spice, then it's not able to be you know not eaten straight. Didn't say that himlissa, which is some type of a compound of ground spices that comes from the house of Handuai, I know Hindu or something. Yeah, I don't know. Rashi says it's Me'eretz uh, Kush, so it's Ethiopia. Anyway, some type of a spices with honey. So, um, Sharia, it is permissible, meaning it's not considered to be a problem of Bishul Nachrim, because it's, ed- it's, phys- it's able to be eaten raw. And you make Barpiyadama on it, because apparently about the spices in it. So you see that it's saying that the spices can be eaten raw. So, and presumably it includes, it's not exactly clear, but it includes one of these. Maybe, maybe it includes the ginger or something. So didn't we say that that was not a, a food? So it says, Same point. When it's moist and whatever, yes, you can eat these things directly when they're fresh. It's when they're dried out, that's when they are not seen as fit to be eaten. Mm-hmm. Or it's not the standard. It would be, it would be considered, you know, it would be, not nobody, but whatever. Not nor- not, it's not normally eaten. Yes. Rashi in that same Tibur also talks about means um, the the literally it's the spewing. It means what comes out of the pots. Meaning a concern that the pots that it was cooked in in transferred their absorbed trace. Exactly. Okay. So the Gemara says like this: Tara banan, achel alei kanim pator. If you eat uh, the leaves from the reeds, you're exempt. That's not considered normally edible by humans, maybe by animals. Lulei gefanim, grape leaves chayav. Eloim lulei gefanim. Now here is the here are the types of grape leaves we're talking about. Amar Yitzchak migdola says of Yitzchak from Magdala um, any that have sprouted from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur and right now we're talking on Yom Kippur so any that have sprouted within the last 10 days those are considered to be still fresh and edible afterwards they get hard as they've been on the branch for a while and um, they're no longer edible no, up to 30 days they're still considered edible we learned how to write like the first opinion 
chayev. Leaves of reeds are exempt. Grape leaves are chayev. And that's and the grape leaves is anything that has sprouted with since Rosh Hashanah. Only those are considered to be moist enough and edible enough. Okay. Similarly, if you drink things that are not considered drinkable, like uh, fish brine and some type of I don't know fish fat, so hachomet. So okay, those things not. But something else that's you know also like maybe a little yicky, but not as bad as that, like vinegar, chayav, the implication would be you'd be chayav because, if you, because that's like more drinkable and you didn't mention vinegar. So presumably vinegar, you're chayav. So, masnisin money, who's our mission going? Like Rebbe, like Rebbe. The tiny Rebbe Omer Chomets, Meshi Vesanofesh. That if vinegar settles the soul, remember the phrase used in the Gemara a lot over the last two days in Aramaic, Yesuve Daite, which is the phrase that the, which is, this is the Hebrew of Yesuve Daite, Meshi Vesanofesh, abates the sense of affliction, and therefore is a problem on Yom Kippur. Darsh of Gido Barmanasha mi Beiri Dinarsh. So Gido Barmanasha from the place of Beiri of Narsh made the following drasha. Ein alacha, not drasha, excuse me, like expounded. Ein alacha kerebi. We don't really like Rebbe. It's actually, um, it, it's not a problem, Chomet. You don't violate Yom Kippur. Lishana, by the next year. Nafi Kuliyama, Mazgu Vishasuchala. Everybody said, great! So on Yom Kippur, they mixed some vinegar with water and they drank it on Yom Kippur. So Shamar of Gidol, the Ikpin of Gidol learning, got very upset. Amar Amar Damar Ana, what was I talking about? Tiyavid. That Tiyavid, it's not a violation. L'chatchila miyami. I never said L'chatchila, you could do it. And Amar Dami Ana, what did I say that it was Tiyavid, not a problem? Porta, a little bit. Tuva miyami, I didn't say a lot, which is interesting. Because if it's not considered chilo, it's not considered to abate the enoid, then presumably even if you ate a lot, it shouldn't be a problem. I mean, what difference is a lot or a little? Tiyavid, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. But anyway, he certainly felt that they abused the privilege. And Miyami, Amadama on a chai. And anyway, I was talking about raw. Muslim Miyami, if it's mixed with water, then it is potable. Okay, so he, so, so what is very interesting, I'll just say at the end here, two things to think about. Number one, you know, the, we're constantly moving between the classic forbidden foods, which are acts of eating, and Yom Kippur, which is about Meshivas HaNefesh, abating the Enoi, and so on. Sometimes we've seen a quantitative difference. How much is a minimum? Right? Malilugmav, which is maybe less than Urvius, as opposed to Koseves, which is maybe close to a Beitza, maybe two or three Zaysim, so sometimes different amounts, and so on. The question is, how about the issue here of types of food? The Mishnah talks about fit for eating, fit for drinking. But when Rubba says, for example, or Rebbe says, chometz is meishivas hanefesh, does he mean that if I drink forbidden chometz, I don't know, let's say, I don't know, I make a neder, I'm not going to drink any drinks, and I, or drink anything, and I drink chometz, what I have transgressed. If you have chometz from, you know, grapes that are um, wine vinegar, wine chometz, that's from grapes that are orla, and you drink it. Is that considered an achila? Is it possible you would have something that would abate the inoi, but wouldn't be considered an act of achila and an act of shpia? You understand those are not necessarily the same. Is it a normal thing to eat? No. Is it, is it, is it enough within the realm of normal and achieves enough of an abating of an inoi? Maybe yes. So, you know, that's, I think, one thing. Like, is it possible that it would be a problem of inoi and, and not a problem of achila v'shtiya? Because Rebbe didn't say chomet shtiya He said mechivet hanefesh. So that's just one thing to think about. Is that in the category of medicine? 
So exactly what you're describing is not food, but right. it has a therapeutic effect on the way you feel. Sure, right. So, so if I drink trimenic, am I over? Because yeah. So right. I mean, something like that. What would be uh, that? That would be an interesting way about saying it. Now, normally we don't assume that. We assume it goes by normal definitions. That's the language of the Mishnah. Normal definitions of food and of drink and of eating and of drinking. But again, it is interesting that Rebbe's phrase is meshivatanefesh, which is a specific Yom Kippur categorization of it. What would he say about Chomet in other halachas? So that's just one thing to think about. The other thing to think about is when he says, oh no, I never said you could do it l'chatchila, only with the Yevet. Why l'chatchila can you not do these things? Is it like a Durabanan? Durais are totally okay. Durabanan you can't. Or we learned at the beginning of the parak the idea of Chatzishir, right? Eating like half a Kikosefet. So eat, how about eating something that's not a quantitative chatzishir, but a qualitative chatzishir? Something that actually, you know, fills you up, makes you feel better, but technically isn't an achila because it's not the normal thing to eat. Like, Is it, or like, yeah, or like I eat, I don't know, a leg kanim, and you eat palpalin, or you eat this type of stuff. Would that be a doraisa problem of a type of a chatzishir, right? If it's a lichatzhiva problem, is it only a durabanan problem? So I think that also is unclear what the issue is about Lechatechila not being able to do it. Yes? So we have this whole concept of like uh, getting the leaf, but in terms of smell, I know from Halakha, but Mara doesn't mention anything about smell. Right, and actually on Yom Kippur, a lot of people have a minog of smelling things in order A, to make brachas, because you make a lot less brachas on Yom Kippur, and B, because you're right, that that, that smelling is helpful in reviving. Right, so So that's true, so that's exactly at the beginning, that it's not anything that's under the category of inuay. Somehow we learn out the way we did at the beginning of the parak that inuay is translated in the forms of eating and drinking. So you're right to say that I can't make the claim that if it's halal not eating, it should be a problem because there's other things that are meshivatanef that aren't eating. But I'm talking about things that are sort of like at the margins, you know what I mean, of, of eating and drinking. It is still going into your mouth and whatever. So, right. The simple sense of the Gemara, is reinforced by your point, is that no, although we talk about enoi, it's enoi specifically in the eating and drinking context. That was the sugi at the beginning, right? Um, so clearly that's true. If it, a, a baiting of the enoi that's not related to eating and drinking is not an issue. Um, but still, how you define eating and drinking is different, right? The quantity, kezayis, kekoseves, revius, malelugma. So I'm also asking about defining the margins, you know, the parameters of eating and drinking based on the foods you're eating. How much is it identical to those normal standard definitions? Yes. No, that's oh the smell on your paper. Uh, I'm trying to remember, but it's certainly not a problem. But yeah. there's no suggestion that it can be, let's say, the right for me and you're running something out. Like, let's say I love eating while go. No yeah, yeah, that's like, the issue before. Me, the subjective aspect we only found by the Malilugmav, not by the actual food types. Alright, let's take one peripheral thing about Gito that this teaches also. Look how careful you have to be when you say something in public. Yeah, well, that's also true. Like, yeah. Really powerful. You had a company, had to retract like four points. <laughs> well, and also people, right, the people's desire to hear what they want to hear and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, let's take a look now at the top of Chedetamadala. Hachinokes. Hatinokot, the young children, it's interesting, we say infants, but in the mission means young children. You don't afflict them, don't beat your kids on Yom Kippur. No, <laughs> but specifically the phrase of Inuay, you don't make them undergo Inuay, so you don't make them fast on Yom Kippur. But you do train them a year or two ahead of time. In order that they should be accustomed to doing mitzvot. So this is the general idea of Chinuch. 
we have chinuch elsewhere by other places like you know when a child can uh, say the Shema he teaches the Shema when we wear tzitzit you put on tzitzit tzilin you know whatever chinuch by, by uh, Lulav and Esrog we're going to do sukkah next so we have chinuch by those which are more seen as more like mitzvah say rituals here's a chinuch by something which we more relate to as a prohibition don't eat and drink but it is actually also a ritual of fasting and therefore you have this phrase of chinuch you do it a year or two before in general I'm not going to obviously develop the whole thing here but chinuch does not have a, 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 a absolute starting point usually what we find is that it's, it's particular to each mitzvah maybe also particular the kid, right? to the kid right um, and we'll see that a little bit right but also to the mitzvah once a child can speak you teach the child shema if a child can be shomer the tzitzit then you buy the child the tzitzit meaning when they're at, or fit to do that mitzvah so here it seems like it's inappropriate to try to we'll see in the Gemara there could be at gradual different stages but it's not going to fit the fast until they get to be a certain age where it's A. they can understand it and B. also that it's a reasonable thing to ask right, of them the well right. it should and we'll see a little bit about that in the Gemara were you going to say something Joe? a couple things first of all just glancing ahead that it seems to be specifically referring to eating we had a Gemara earlier right Right, so that Gemara earlier spoke about certain things to not have to uh, worry about at all except for the eating, right? That was uh, the Gemara. Right, exactly, exactly. But there's so this. Uh, um, yeah, but actually, there, uh, I'm trying to remember where the Gemara was on. Yeah, um, yeah, um, and the Gemara's explanation for the Nidhar Fasana was so that's something that, that has to be done to them by an adult. No, that the other types of things were like basic for their needs, whereas wearing shoes was something that they could manage without, right? Rizisayu is Gemara's answer. So that was the Shari Inuyim, but you are right to remind us of that, that it does say that of the Shari Inuyim, the shoes was, uh, was the one thing that you start earlier. This tomorrow we're going to see is very much talking about the fasting aspect. Yeah, Yes, uh, these are very, very complicated Rashi's. Rashi says like a girl 13, but then if you keep on reading, he means 12 years in a day, so she's in her 13th yeah. year, yeah. not that she's 13 years old. And, yeah, as we read the Gemara, you will see, whatever. The Rashi's here, here are like really difficult, not because they're like, whatever, just, just the, the way he's counting the numbers. Okay, so let's take a look at the Gemara. The Gemara will be like a little complicated in a technical way about counting the numbers. I'll try to... Ease it through. Let's go. Okay. Hasta If you if you start training them two years before, certainly you start training them one year before. So right. It depends on the kid. Now, not necessarily the kid in terms of their religious development of maturity, but their constitution, their physical ability to begin fasting. So, if two years before for a healthy child, for a child that's a little bit less stronger constitution, a little more sickly, you only begin one year before. Amrafunis, and now, and now we're going to sort of more spell out the whole thing. Eight and nine years old, you um, begin them to do. You add a few extra hours. You delay their eating for a few hours. You don't fast the whole day, but you do a few hours of fasting. 
And at the age of 10 and 11, you actually fast, do the whole day fasting. But you do the whole day. Twelve years you have to do the whole day biblically. And that's the Tinochet. That's by a girl. Okay? So when a girl is eight or nine years old, she adds hours. Ten and eleven years old, she fasts the whole day rabbinically. And twelve, she's fasting biblically. Rav Nachman, Amar women, Rav Nachman says, No, a year later. Nine and ten, you begin adding hours. Eleven and twelve, you do the whole day rabbinically. Then you give me the So thirteen is biblical. And the Tinoch, that's by a, that's by a boy. So they're really not disagreeing now. The Gemara doesn't spell it out here, but Rashi sort of says, and based on the previous Gemara, that, what, that the assumption here is that this is also working with the Bari Chola distinction. So when he gives a, start, has an earlier point of beginning, he's talking about a, a, a healthy kid. So for example, if we take the case of the girl, so a healthy girl will fast at hours at 8 and 9, and then will, um, will what do you call it, will um, do full day at 10 and 11, whereas a girl that's of a weaker constitution will start adding hours at 9 and 10 and do a full day Durabanan at 11. Okay? Is that clear? Because it says, right? Right? He says hours, he says, are at 8 and 9. And the full day, he said, is at 10 and 11. Okay? And you could have said he means for a normal person. Years 18, years 9, years 10, and years 11. But based on the similar point that the Gemara makes, why not just say start hours at 9 and start the full day at 10? Right? Why do you have to say 8 and 9 and 10 and 11? The answer is, is that what he means is, is that if you're healthy, you start at 8 for the hours, and then you start at 10 for the full day. If you're not healthy, you start at 9 for the full hours, right? And you start at 11 for the full day, right? So he says, when do you begin hours? 8 if you're healthy, 9 if you're not. When do you begin the full day? 10 if you're healthy, 11 if you're not. So for a healthy girl, she would fast for 2 years adding hours and 2 years rabbinically adding days. And for a not healthy girl, for a more weaker contribution, she would do 9 and 10 hours and I'll start at 11 at the full day. Okay? Clear? Yeah. yeah. Alright, yeah. Why does the Gemara use the word Tinoch? I don't know. That's just the Gemara's word for. Yeah, I don't know. But it's very common that it uses the word Tinoch to refer to anybody yeah, under, under Bar and Bat Mitzvah. Alright, so the Gemara says like this. So that's their opinion. No. Rabbinically, you will never demand. Right. Actually, it's interesting. Different, I mean, different people have different practices about this. I'm curious what people do with their kids. You know, when do you think your kid is ready to do the full day? I mean, it depends on the kid. It really does. But he says that, like, that demand of a full day is too much at the chinuch level. You know, so we're not going to demand it before it's really obligated. Why is that? Why not so, I don't know, because it's hard. If they're young kids, then it's hard. Ben Yudalf, Ben Yud, Ben Yudalf. I mean, we only did it one year before the full day. Um, then you could too much, you know, anything more would have not been reasonable to ask. Then Yud, Ben Yudalf, Mecham Kenos shows. So 10 and 11, you add extra hours. Then you bet, Mashlini Midoraisa. And 12 is when you begin in biblically again. That's for a girl, okay? So he has two years of the hours. Fine. Now we're going to see how these different opinions fit in. It's not. It's not in our Mishnah. Okay, Sinokos, you don't, you, you, you start a year and a two before. 
What does it mean between one and two years you start before? Because the Gemara assumes that we're not just talking about full death. Mechanuchim starts here according to them. They introduce an idea of chinuch, right? It starts already by adding extra hours. So it's not one or two years. It's like three or four years before. So what does it mean one or two years? So here's how you would explain it. Now there's a question of the gears of whether it's Lidivrayim or it's or it's Lidivrei Torah. Okay, the Gra's way of reading is which means the following way. That you begin means the Chinuch is described as the hours, not the full day. So this is the way the Gra reads it. You begin Chinuch, the Chinuch goes for healthy kids, two years, it, you start the chinuch up until lisnei you mean up until two years up until lisnei this period is like lisnei shnatayim this is two years before the age of bat mitzvah so the chinuch goes up to two years lisnei shnatayim and then you do full days and the other one is none enough but for an unhealthy girl right it goes up to lisnei shana you do the extra hours until Lishnei Shana, and then you do, then and then you begin the full day. So, you get how that's being read? So, up to a year before, up to two years before, the time that you rabbinically are going to do the full day. Yes? Yeah. I know. It's not, okay. Just make sure it's clear. Okay. So, means, I'm going to read this the Graz way. You do the extra hours up to one year before the rabbinic period of the full day of an unhealthy girl and up to two years before the full period for a healthy girl for, and for a healthy girl then there will be two years of doing the full period before her bat mitzvah for Yochanan it's difficult because he says that there's just going to be uh, now why is it difficult Rabbi Yochanan says is what, yeah but he says it's one or two years of, of adding extra hours right Rabbi Yochanan said you add hours for an extra year or two so the problem is the language now the Gemara's understanding this is the way the Gra reads it of until a year before or until two years before and assuming that one or two years before it means you, do a full, you begin to do the full amount so Rabbi Yochanan says you never do the full amount before the period so how do you read it so I'm looking at Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yochanan will say to you no it doesn't mean a year or two before the rabbinic period of the full fasting it means one or two years before the biblical period of the full fasting and you do extra hours for one or two years before that Okay, is that clear or somewhat? Not really? No. no. Uh, thank you Tell for us. being honest about that. Tell us. Okay, so, right here we got, let's try this again. We got 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Okay, this period where she's bat mitzvah, this will be a girl, considered kirkan. This is the way the girl is. That's when her, her teeth, it's biblical, okay? That's still right, right? This she's period, already reached 12. This is the period that right. Mara calls, she's already reached 12. She's right. bat mitzvah. This is the period where, they, where, according to the other opinions, it's a full day durabanan, right? Full day durabanan, according to the other opinion. And that's called Lidivrehen, because that is when she rabbinically does the full period. So according to the opinions that said these are extra hours, right? They say we, you will fast one, up to one or two years, right? Lidivrehen. You will do the chinuch. The hours is considered the chinuch. You will build the chinuch until lisnei shana, until either up through 
up, up, up until one year before, right? When, and that's when you begin to do the full day. Or up until two years before, and if it's a healthy girl, you do that for the two days. So you do the chinuch, the hours, until one or two years before. Lifnei, right, this is Lifnei, Shana, right, Lifnei, it's before, it's in one or two years, Shana or Shanachayim, it's one or two years before this period. Yes? Yeah, that's how that is. The goes, goes up until the period of Lifnei Shana and Lifnei Shanachayim. That's the first. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, right, if Chinuch means the hours, the hours don't go up to one or two years before. The hours go right up to the thing itself. So the Gemara says, no. What, so what Yochanan is, it's not one or two years. It doesn't go up until one or two years before. The Chinuch actually is done during one or two years before this period. This is, this is when you do the hours. The hours is done during the period of one or two years prior. All right. Anyway, moving on. Toshma, coming here. Titani Rabbi Bar Shmuel, Tinokas Ein Ma'anin Osam Biyom Kippurim. You don't make the, the, the kids fast the whole day on Yom Kippur. Aval Machan Chin Osam Shanosh Na Oshtayim Lishnei Pirkan. You do one or two years before their bar, Samuch Pirkan, before their bar and bat mitzvah, which sounds like Rabbi Yochanan. You don't make, you don't make them do the full amount. You do one or two years immediately prior to the bar mitzvah, presumably just extra hours. So, it's difficult to Rav Fun and Rav Nachman who say that in those one or two years you do the full amount, not just hours. So, and presumably we even assuming that the word chinuch here means just extra hours. So, my chinuch nami diktani hashlama. No, here, but before when we said mechan chinuch meant extra hours. In this context, where we say one or two years before bar and bat mitzvah, we mean chinuch of the full amount. So the Gemara says, "Me kari Would you really call doing the full amount? You know, we do call that chinuch. Chinuch presumably means less than the full amount. Now, I, you know, I don't know. We might think sure if they're not farm bat mitzvah yet. We call it chinuch, whether you're doing the full or not the full. But the Gemara has been assuming, based on its discussion until now, that the word chinuch means like going, you know, not doing the, not doing it completely. You know, That's practicing, but not fully doing it. It's not a dry run." Yeah. All right. So the Mishnah says, "Tanya, Eze Chinuch. What's Chinuch? Hayav Ravi Lechol B'Shtei Shalos. Normally they eat at like eight a.m. Machinoso L'Shalos. You feed them at nine a.m. B'Shalos Machinoso B'Arba. So clearly uses the phrase Chinuch to mean just adding an hour or two. So how could this mean actually the full amount? So Marava Barula Trei Chinuch Hayav. Fine. Chinuch can sometimes mean starting, and sometimes it can mean doing the full amount before Bar and Bat Mitzvah. What? Yeah. Never do it. Right? Um, so, oh, you mean what's the difference if it says Ein Ma'anim and yeah. Machanchi means the full amount? Yeah. It means Ein Ma'anim Osam, meaning you're not biblically obligated, you don't start it. I don't know. It's a good point, so I hear your point. Okay, anyway. So we're done with that. So you do have this idea of Chinuch beginning like gradually, according to some opinions, you get to the full amount right before Bar and Bat Mitzvah. Did anybody ever, I mean, whatever, you know, feel that they couldn't ask their kids to fast until they, uh, they were actually Bar and Bat Mitzvah? I already start making my kids fast a little bit. The whole day. No, but the whole day, I mean, the whole day. I'd like to, though. 
<laughs> I, we had to, we felt we had to do it a year before. Like you had to you had to give yourself a chance for it to fail the year before, so that you could make sure <laughs> that you would be able to do it. I mean, yeah. uh, anyway, but Rabbi Yochanan says interestingly, you don't do any you, don't, you never do a full until they're of the age. But the, the other opinion is more the ones we tend to go by, which is sort of the gradual build up, and you have this whole idea here of chinuch and these debates about what year are they ready and how you build up the. Yeah. We yeah, if they wanted to. Yes, in other words, we said, yeah. you know, next year if you have to fast the whole day. Right. If you want to try to do that this year. Yeah. Make it as thinking. far as you can take. And they did? Different kids did different. Interesting. Some Interesting. Some years is a challenge. Yeah. Chomping at the bit when they're nine, ten years old. Right. Right. Yeah, being excited to be able to do it. Yeah. So anyway, I want to show you before we move on, just very quickly, there's an interesting Tosos Yishonim here on the, uh, in the lower left. So do you see this here? Yeah. He said, uh, like the, right, like, you don't have it? Yeah. Okay. So he says there's a Gemara by Nazir that says that there's no mitzvah chinuch by a daughter. So by to treat to train to like train her to be a Nazir. So he made is that a global principle? There's no chinuch by a daughter. So so he says the Eishlomer doesn't know Eirel adapting in Nazirus. Okay, I don't know why Nazir is different, but first he makes the point here we say Tinok and Tinokes, Chinook applies even to, to sons and daughters. That if you see a minor eating tray food, you don't have to stop him. Um, and if we're going to proactively do Chinook, is there any question we should have to stop him from doing an Avera? So he says, so Omer Rabbi Lezer Mimitz, who was a student of the Re, wrote the Ureim, the Chinuch lo shayich ela sheyasa mitzvah. The lo perushe me'isura. Fascinating idea. A little almost counterintuitive. Chinuch is about training in a performance, right? Habituating in an activity, whereas there's a separate question of, you know, stopping from doing an Avera. Um, you know, so, so it's quite interesting. So you, please, Michael. But you know, but like, it's as if like, okay, I'm going to make sure my kid practices putting on filling, but I'm not going to do anything when he eats trace. <laughs> but it is an interesting idea because you don't, you know, in a way you do practice not doing things as well. But conceptually, the idea that chinuch is only for mitzvot. And then he says, one minute, isn't Yom Kippur not doing something? So he says. Um, you're not stopping from doing an Easter. You are, because we learned it was a lav as well. However, we learned it's a lav. That's not the only way to think about what's going on here. There's a mitzvah here of not doing. There's a mitzvah of fasting. But it's a fascinating idea that the concept of chinuch is by ritual performance and not by abstaining. I yes. Don't think that's a what? I think that what he's dealing with here is that the concept of chinuch is um, is, is a process oriented. 
Yeah. So how are you going to do that with a negative prohibition? Like, listen, it's usher to steal. So when we go into the store, I go to acclimate you not to steal. So you can only steal two candies, <laughs> not three. The next year, no, but you could all. Candy candy but you would three year olds know something's mukta. No, yeah, yeah, but you could acclimate people to like, don't touch mukta, don't do this on Shabbos. Check for the check for the hechsher uh, when you're buying food. I mean, there's a lot of activities you could do that lead to a life of observance. You know. Right, but I don't think he's, he's saying at some conceptual level whether you frame it okay. as a mitzvah or as an avera, you know, mm. right? Because by Yom Kippur, it's, he's, he's saying the difference is that conceptually I could call it a mitzvah for say. He's not saying that in practice, right, there's something different. It, it is the practice of restraining. It's a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah. I'll just say the other part he asks, he says, is whether the mitzvah chinuch, he says mitzvah chinuch, the other point is when we say Bastin doesn't have to stop a minor from eating tray food. He says, yeah, because chinuch isn't on other people, it's only on the parents. But then he gets into a discussion of only on the father or only on the father and mother. So that becomes an interesting discussion as well. Right? Does chinuch apply to girls? He says totally. So, but does it apply to the father or the father and the mother? That actually is an interesting debate of the Rishonim. But one of the ways he explains why we don't interfere with a cousin doing Averos says that's not because that's outside of the realm of Chinuch. The parents would totally have to interfere. That's just that it's not your job to police my kids. Chinuch is for me, it's not on my kids, not for you about my kids. So the idea of not interfering, his second answer is not about mitzvah, about mitzvah versus Avera, it's about other people versus me. No, 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 it's a different answer, meaning as opposed to here where he's saying, I as a father don't have to stop my kid from eating treif, his second answer is, yes, I do have to stop my kid from eating treif. The Gemara that you don't have to interfere with a kid eating treif is you don't have to interfere with somebody else's kid who's eating Right, no, but let's say about trying somebody else being mechanic a kid to do something positive, not to refrain from a negative. Yeah, no, also so not. No, no. Your, my kids are none of your business. That's his point. Who's okay. <laughs> what? I don't know who the author is. It's one of the Balea Tosvos that's different than the printed Tosvos here. But he obviously he's quoting Rebbe Leezer Mimitz, who's one of the very early Balea Tosvos. I think you mentioned the, the, the mitzvah on the father and the mother. I, I don't think there is no explicit mitzvah of Chinuch. Is there? It's just understood. Right. How would you, why would, how, so it's a Durabanan mitzvah. Yeah, but there is a Jerabanan idea of Chinuch. There's actually a whole question. Is Chinuch on the parent or is it on the child? Of course, saying it's on the child is a little ironic. How could it be on the child if the child doesn't have any mitzvahs? Right. But it is understood to be a Jerabanan mitzvah. I mean, Chinuch, Lenar, Pitar, but as a real mitzvah, it's understood to be a Jerabanan mitzvah. And then there's discussions, right? If it says Mechanchim, and there's all these sugars about how you have to be Mechanich your kids, so what are the parameters, even if it's only at a Jerabanan level? Yeah. I think Ramah I was going to say, Talmud right. Torah is different than Chinuch. Yeah. Talmud yeah. Torah is very different. Yeah, not Torah. General Chinuch of mitzvahs. This is behavioral. Okay, so there are some things that our society's concerned. Yeah. No, I mean, specific things are identified, like by the Kohanim, right? It's Lahazir Gidoli Malakhtanim, for the Kohanim not to be Nitma. There are some things that are sort of seen as broader society's concern, but not that my kid is eating trace. That's let me, let me, you know, let me raise my kids. You don't raise my kids. Okay. So, next Mishnah. Um, now we're getting so very important ideas here. We just dealt with Chinuch. Now we get on to a, one of the real big things by Yom Kippur about, about Tikuach Nefesh. 
Uber Shehiricha if a pregnant woman gets smells some aroma and she feels she needs to eat or you know she or or or, or she's going to so, you know there's a concern that if she doesn't eat she's going so crazy about eating that there's going to be a concern of miscarriage or danger to her danger to the fetus chola I don't know but uh, I, I, that's uh, gets to the whole question about objective and subjective chola so you feed her until she calms down chola certainly the psychological state of being is a very is a reality similarly a sick person you check in with doctors and uh, to determine what, what you know whether he's in danger or what he needs to be fed yeah so simple sense is two we'll worry about it if there are no doctors experts you ask him what he feels he needs until he feels like okay I'm alright now so this is going to be obviously very big discussion about first of all you know the difference about you know what are the circumstances that are assessed to be and number two how do you determine how much to do and when you've done enough you know do you go by the person do you go by objective testimony and so on that actually is not going to be the discussion today although that's clearly the concerns of the Mishnah yes this is the first time we saw in the Mishnah that the language of Tashi is not Oh, that's an excellent point. So is that the language? That is an excellent point. I hadn't connected those. You're probably right. Yeah, it's an excellent point. I mentioned it before when Rebbe said that that was the phrase that was constantly being used of Yutuve Daita of what does the opposite of Inui. But you're, it's an excellent point that that phrase seems to be borrowed from this mission of Asha Tashi Right. That Tashi. Right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. That had not occurred to me, but you're right. Tashiv Nafshahir certainly would be the basis of the phrase of Yisuve Daita, which is what negates the Enoi. Okay, Tanu Rabbanan. Let's say she smells the uh, you know, meat of a korban or of a chazer. So this might not even be on a Yom Kippur context, just tray physician. Um, you stick like a, 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 a um, fork. For, yeah, fork, a, uh, what's a toothpick, into the, the sauce. And like you rub it on her lips. Maybe that'll do it, and it won't be as much of, a, of an aver. It's only a small amount. It's not really eating. If she calms down good, not you give her the actual sauce itself, but not the meat. If she calms down good, and if not, you give her the actual you know, fat itself, the actual meat itself. Nothing stands in the way of Pikuach Nefesh. However, what you do see is that nevertheless, you try to do the Lesser Aveira. And then it gets into all these questions about how much you spend time trying to do the Lesser Aveira if there's some possible risk going on. And, you know, that's always like, in a way, that's the Hutra Dechuya question. On the one hand, everybody says, you know, no, 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 no. Shabbos and other things are Hutra Mitnei Pikuach Nefesh. You don't even hesitate. You don't start doing Cheshbonos. But then there's always like a little footnote, which is like, of course, if you could do a Lesser Aveira without it causing any delay and any problem then of course you should you know so it's always there's a little ambivalence about that here also I would say there's two interesting things one is like just saying that these things are on different levels why is it different levels eating the sauce than the thing itself is like the sauce maybe an issue of Tom Kikar as a Tarovet as opposed to the thing itself and also maybe the reason here that it speaks more about going in gradations is because like of the point that Michael said like is she really like Pikuach Nefesh or is it much more like a a Pikuach Nefesh not that she's not but something that's driven by her psychological state of mind 
And since it's driven primarily by her psychological state of mind, we more are, try to do it in gradations than something which is like an immediate medical, like, you know, immediate just the physical reality is one of Fikuach Nefesh. So it's interesting here why it stops to talk about the gradations, which it does not so much like in the case of Samachola. Yes? If I didn't have any baggage at all on Fikuach Nefesh, and I was just looking at the lexicon of this part of the Gemara, right. Fikuach Nefesh is um, contrasted to um, to Yeshivat uh, Nefesh. Uh-huh. And I would say it's a category of Tsar, not a category of life and death. Um, right. I mean, there's nothing here that uses the phrase pikuach nefesh. All right. There's not. You're right. There's nothing here that uses the phrase pikuach nefesh. So you're right. We have to see later the later discussions. You are correct to point right. out. You are correct to point out that in the. I don't know if the chapter. You're correct to point out that in the Mishnah there is nothing that points out the severity of the case. Right, and there's no thing that makes it clear that this is because it's Pikuach Nefesh. So well, that's Pikuach Nefesh, as we have come Right, so let's get back to that. That's the next important 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 important. point. So this Obra, who, this, she's, as, she's agitating with Lewis. It's not like, you know, she's not, right. being, and she's not being assessed by doctors. Whereas the whole way it would seem, he's not necessarily even agitating for it. Right. You know, the, the, doctors the doctors are assessing. So even the Cholera is not saying anything. I don't want to eat. You know, right, you so we'll get to that about what does the person say, what are the doctors saying. All that is going to be discussed. Let's keep on going. Okay. She'en l'chadavar. Now here though, Dove, the Brita, so so far you were talking about your comment that it was not describing the severity was in the Mishnah, but the Brita says, She'en l'chadavar shomei bishnei pikuach nefesh. Nothing stands in the way of taking care of the nefesh. Now you're saying that I don't know, how do I know those words mean life? All right, but anyway, let's keep on going. We will assume our normal assumption. Nothing stands in the way of risk of life. Literally, by the way, pikuach does not mean risk. Pikuach means attending to, attending to the concerns of... Right, right. Anyway, nothing stands in the way of risk of life. Except for the big three. And now for the rest of today, we're not going to talk about standard health cases of pikuach nefesh and other averas. We're going to talk about things that martyrdom things you have to give up your life for. The big three. What are the big three? Avadazar, idolatry, gilerais, and shvichustamim. Sexual sin and murder. Avadazar, we know. And where do you know Avadazar? The time you turn on the b'risa. Rabbi Eliezer, imnemar b'chol nafshcha, love the Lord your God with all your soul. Lamanemar b'chol meodecha, all your might, which means all your wealth. Vinemar b'chol meodecha, if it says all your wealth, lamanemar b'chol nafshcha, all your soul. Tell me one and I'll figure out the other. Tell me the most important. No. If somebody's body is more dear than their wealth, so they might be prepared to uh, to give up their money. They won't be prepared to give up their their, their body, their you know their life. Even your life. Maybe somebody would be willing to give up their life as long as they can, you know, they can pass on all their wealth to their kids. Which, of course, therefore says even all your wealth. Which, of course, is the famous back Jack Benny line where the guy comes to him and says, "Your money or your life?" And he says, "I'm thinking, I'm thinking." <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, so that is that. So you love God with all of your life. You have to give up your life. Now, by the way, I should point out. That, that 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 is framed as your love of God, right? Now, obviously, it's doing. You could say, well, any avera is betraying my love of God, but no, any local avera is v'chai behem. But to actually renounce God, worship a vodizara, betray God, not just do a particular thing, get you know, an avera, but betray by worshiping a vodizara, that's considered that is a betrayal of you know that is a, that's that you have to d- 
that you, you can't do. That's love God with you. You have to be prepared to give up your life to show your basic commitment to God. Now, the point of framing it that way is interesting because what if something is a abandonment and a betrayal of God without being a vodizara? For example, no, 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 no. That I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about within this context. But what about um, what about uh, renouncing your Judaism and um, attesting to being an atheist? Let's say you know, or you know, in communist Russia. Let's say it's about adopting, uh, you know, becoming Muslim which is not a Vodazara in the sense of a Vodazara. It's not multiple gods, it's not any images, it's whatever. It's one single, you know, you know, monotheistic god. Would you be, you know, would it be a Hagval Yavor to convert to Islam? Which is actually a question that came up in the Middle Ages in the time of the Rambam. So, so, there was a, so, well, it's an interesting what Rambam said in his Igeret HaShemad, and we could have a whole class on that, okay? But there seems to have been a general assumption that it's not about technically... It's about and fundamentally an, a, a accepting of another religion, certainly about an exclusive monotheist, like an exclusive religion. I'm not going to boo Jews or whatever that, which is Avodah but maybe it's not the same. Anyway, we won't get it. Anyway, okay, but that type of thing is considered to be a betrayal without it, even maybe without it being Avodah Zarah. Meaning you have to. That's the. I mean, there's a whole Rambam whatever, but that seems to have been the assumption that it's not about technically Avodah Zarah. It's about rather than convert to Islam give up your life. Or, Tosas asks a question in Sanhedrin. There's a debate about if you, it says, so if somebody worships of Zara, not because they really believe in it, but because they're afraid. What is afraid? I mean, Rashi says afraid that if you don't do it, this non-Jew is going to kill you. So then, according to Rabbi, it says, so that's not a Zara because you didn't do it because you really believe. So Tosas says, I don't get it. Then every situation of Yehad Val Yavor, I put a gun to your head and worship this idol of Zeus. So, okay, no problem, because it's not a Zara because I don't believe in it. So how, why is it Yavi Agra And the answer might be, from the perspective of technical Avodah Zarah, it's not. But from the perspective of that it is. The act of doing even an outward act of worshipping and showing fealty to another god, you know, or is a fundamental betrayal of your relationship with God, and that's the that's the Hegrayavar. So it's important, although we call it a Vodazara, to think that it might not be limited to the technical parameters of a Vodazara. That's that, yes. Right, how would we know? Right. No, but I mean, so how would that... Well, that could be true, meaning maybe, maybe you know, if it's non-verbalized, then we, it's assumed to be that you do believe, you know, but... The one thing is, like, can that person not give up his life if he's saying inside of himself... Right, so that's what Tosa says, no. I mean, you know, obviously, then you would never have the scenario of martyrdom, so that doesn't help. But his explanation of why it doesn't help is, it might be technically you haven't done a Vodazara, but what you've done in terms of your outward act and what it's communicated has is still communicated that betrayal of God even if the av- av- sin of Avodazar you didn't do. What? No. Rav is relevant if Rav is relevant in terms of Emachai of Misa for having done it or whatever. I mean there's you know other Nafkaminas there's other Nafkaminas to the question of is it Avodazar beyond the question of Yahag Val Yahor. Let's keep on going. Okay. So that's the Avodazar issue. Now um, okay. Uh, okay. Gila Arias with Shikhustami Minal. And how about sexual sin and murder? The Tadi Tadabraisa, Rebbe Omer. 
Let's talk about a girl that is a woman that's raped. And it says, just like a person who would be murdered, this is this case. Meaning that the woman who is raped, it's not her fault. As I'm mean, sure you know that even now in like, um, you know, in certain Middle Eastern countries, if a, if a girl is raped, it's like her shame and her fault and the you know, things that the family does to her. And the Torah is saying, no, it's like a murder victim. She's a victim. It's not her fault. It's like somebody came and murdered someone. That's shot of the Pesukah. But the, here's what the Gemara says. What is the category of, mur- of a murderer teaching us to the case of this, uh, you know, of this betrothed woman who was raped? It's coming to teach and it winds up learning. Okay? So it sounds like the case of murder is teaching you something about Naramu Rasa, but it also goes the opposite way. We know that if a girl, a girl, a woman is, 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 is somebody is running after her to rape her, you're allowed to kill the attempted rapist because the Pasuk says, Ain Moshiach, and that Parsha, there was no one to save her, from which we learn that if there is somebody who can save her, he has an, a mandate to save her even at the life of the attempted rapist. So the same way that's true by, uh, by, uh, by a woman who's being pursued by a rapist, Afrotseah. Somebody who is being pursued by a murderer, by an attempted murderer, you can kill the, the guy who's trying to murder to save the victim. That's one thing we learn, that you can kill the perpetrator. Now, the other thing we learn is, the same way, so that's what the case of Naramurasa teaches the Roseach. Here's what Roseach teaches Naramurasa. The same way you would rather, you would first give up your life rather than commit murder. Same by forbidden sex. You should give up your life rather than commit an act of forbidden sex. Now, how do we know we might actually finish the document. How do we know that? How do we know that you can uh, that you give up your life rather than commit murder? For where do we know in the case of murder that you give up your life rather than commit murder? So Swari, that is logical. A person came to Rava, or Rava. Amalai, he said to him, Amalai Marjorai, the head of my city, has said to me, Kali Laplanya, kill kill so and so. The Ilo Katlin is not I'll kill you. What should I do? He said back to him, let him kill you, the low and you should not kill. My what makes you think your blood is, blood is, is any redder? Maybe his blood is redder. So as Rashi says, what allows you the whole way that you can what allows you to violate a mitzvah is that for the sake of saving a life. In this act, you're not saving a life, so there's nothing that legitimates violating the mitzvah. Which raises interesting questions. Let's say he says, let's say he says, kill that person or I'll kill you and your whole family. So maybe I should kill because I'm saving more lives. You know, do you start getting into numbers games? How do you work it out? Anyway, a lot, lot of Torah about this. But anyway, for us, we're di- we don't have the time. But we do see the basic principle. You do not commit murder just to save your own life. And once that's true, we apply it also to the prohibition of forbidden sex. You don't do an act of forbidden sexual relations also just to save a life. Now the question is, what exactly constitutes an act of forbidden sex? In the Torah, it's talking about the case of rape. In a way, rape, we could understand comparing it, like it's an act of violence upon another individual, right? What? Right, from Narumbasa, which is a high of Nisa. Right, what about, uh, what about having rights? A man having sex with his wife and she's a Nida. Right, what is exactly, what are the parameters of Yagval Yava? What's included in that is, you know, you have to try to infer it from giving Gemaras, but it's never like fully spelled out. That's about what con- the Gilearized sort of context. That's one issue. Another issue is, um, 
it seems clear from other Gemara's it's not limited to acts of violence, so I should say. Even in cases of consensual. Nida's different, but like HSE, for example. Um, the other thing is this huge sosos, which is basically saving us today, is the question about does it apply the question of the question of one letter in the Gemara. Is it Afnara Murasha? No. Yehareg Val Yavor or Tehareg Vial Yavor? Is it that you, the man, must be must must be prepared to die rather than committing a forbidden act of sex, or is it she the woman? If a woman is being compelled, she has to be prepared to die rather than committing a forbidden act of sex. What would be the difference between the man and the woman? It's the same avera. This gets into a whole sugya about Esther Karka Olam. Yeah. To what degree a woman is considered to be passive, not active? Now, does that really mean physically passive? The assumption that the woman is just lying there and is completely physically passive in the act of sex? Some of them sound like they're saying that, but I just want to share with you what the Ramban says about this, which is, I think, a much better shot. He says, he says, a woman who says, you know, sex can be forced upon a woman whether she wants it or not. So if, therefore, somebody is holding a gun to her head and say, do this or I'll kill you, to what degree when she concedes and says, I'll do it, do you really consider that like she's really conceding? Because even if she said no, it could have been done to her. So therefore, you know, her choosing to do it is not so much, like, even if she's active in the process, is not so much like an active participation, because in some ways she had absolutely no choice, whatever she would have So therefore, she doesn't have to give up her life, as opposed to a man who could say no, and then it won't happen. Um, so that's, anyway, a large discussion here in this toast vote. Another very important point that I just have to point out, which gets to this issue about the gun to the head and worshipping of Zara, is... What happens if a guy holds a gun to your head and says, worship a Zara, or do this act of Gilearias, or kill this person, and you don't give up your life, and you go ahead and you succumb and you do it? What Avera have you done? So Rambam says, and Tosus also says it, but not in as, sort of as simple terms as Rambam, you have not done the Avera of murder. You have not done the Avera of Avodazara. Why? Because as far as murder and Avodazara are concerned, you're an honest, right? Right? You were forced. There was a gun to your head. He says, what Avera did you do? You didn't do the, you did the Avera of not doing martyrdom when you should have done martyrdom. That's the Avera you did. But you actually didn't do the Avera of murder over the Zara. Gun was held to your Now, you could have said, no, since you were supposed to have given up your life, you're not considered to have been forced. You should have made a particular choice which we're telling you to make. But no, the Ramam doesn't say that. He says, you did not do Avodah Zara. Oh, you did it, but you did it by onus. You did murder by onus. But here's an interesting point. Here's an interesting point. The Ramam says, the Avera of forbidden sex for a man that you are considered to have done even with the gun to your head. Why? Because there's a Gemara that says, and this is also what Tosus discusses, that erection for a man is only if he has an actual sexual desire. Holding a gun to somebody's head can't make him have an erection. So if the man actually winds up having sex and he has an erection, right, then that means that at some degree he's not just being used by the guy with the gun to his head, to some degree he himself is willing the act. And therefore that relocates the will of the act to the person and not to the guy with the gun to his head. Really? So there, that, yeah, so that's like, I just want... like, I'm in control <laughs> that I'm hungry right now. Right. Well, there are cases about, no, there are cases where, okay, so obviously you could create scenarios. Not, anyway. Are we, are we assuming only intercourse, by the way? Yeah. No other acts. Then they get, so that's the other thing which I'll just mention is the question about Avi's Raihu, right. which is things that are the sort of penumbra, you know, things that are the appurtenances relating to the Avi 
you that aren't the Avera per se. All of these are very important related issues. I'm just going to read three more lines and we'll be done for today. You can ask me the questions after. Hahi Ubra, now there's a story about a woman, a pregnant woman. The Archa, she smelled the smell on Yom Kippur. They came to Rabbi Amaluhu. He said to him, Whisper to her that it's Yom Kippur. Maybe that'll help her calm down. They whispered to her, and she accepted it, like she, she heard and she calmed down. So she didn't need to be said. So Kariyale, so Rebbe said about this, Oh, because the assumption also seems to be here that the fetus is the one from where the cravings are coming. So the fetus like is a tzaddik now, you know. So before I even created you in the womb, God says to him, Yo, I've known you. Oh, look what a from fetus this was. And that was Rabbi Yochanan's mother. And she gave birth to Rabbi Yochanan. She was pregnant with Rabbi Yochanan. Look how much of a tzaddik he was. Now, and there was another case that of another pregnant woman who had a, who smelled whispered to her that it's Yom Kippur it didn't do any good and she had to be said he said about this about this child not Allah but about the fetus the child spread out you wicked ones from the womb so the, the fetus must be wicked because he demanded to be said on Yom Kippur so Shabtai the uh, monop- monopolizer of fruit he basically had a monopoly over, you know, he held the fruit to make sure the prices would go up and he made people go hungry so that he could, you know, write, uh, hike up the prices. So this wicked guy was the result. Of course, maybe it was the Shabtai Tzvi. Shabtai. Yeah. So anyway, so it's quite interesting. Like, but, uh, it's cre- but it's also a little disturbing that on the one hand, the balancing of, of course you do what's ne- necessary for Pikuach Nefesh, but then this highly judgmental sense about a woman who needs to be fed because then it's like, so that's, what will that lead to? That'll lead to you not wanting to right. feed because you know maybe there's still like there's a little more of a prod to make sure that the person is 100% sure they really need it because there's this sort of judgmental strand going on here but one does wonder to what degree will that come to maybe make you more hesitant about doing what needs to be done. Okay, there we go. Yep.